0: Last week, Katie took us on a hike through the Valley of Shadows in our verse-by-verse journey through Psalm 23, where Bill, Katie, and I are pairing poetry and reflections from this new book, How to Love the World, Poems of Gratitude and Hope. Today we will explore the second half of verse 4. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And we'll do that alongside the theme, Pieces of Heaven. Hear now these familiar words from the King James Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So today I'd like to invite you on another hike. This one, a popular one, up the bluff near Devil's Lake in Wisconsin. And this trail is short, it's just under half a mile, but it is kind of steep, so we will find footholds in the stone steps carved into the trail. The picturesque, balanced rocks are the reward for the effort. Their backdrop is a view of the lake below and miles and miles of Wisconsin forests, as far as the eye can see. And I first hiked this trail when my girls were young, perhaps four and six, and my youngest, Marielle, held my hand, using it to pull herself up those steep steps, which were a bit too much for her little legs. And as we walked, the girls began to notice that the boats below in the lake became smaller and smaller. And they, of course, asked, how much farther to the top? And then about three quarters of the way up, my daughter Marielle paused and she looked at the horizon. And she asked me this question. She said, Mom, where does the sky start? And then I told her that the sky begins where the air meets the ground. We are always walking in the sky, I said. And my husband Brian chuckled a little bit because though that is true, it is also abstract for a preschooler's practical curiosity. And I don't really know what impression my answer left on my four-year-old daughter then, but I do know that her wondering question lodged right in my heart about the time that I was hearing my call to ministry. As a teacher, I had seen how kids draw the sky, a thick blue band at the top of the page, right above their family members' heads and their loved ones' heads. And I was also someone who yearned to feel God as close as the summer breeze on my skin. And so walking in the sky became my guiding metaphor for imagining God's presence, invisible yet constant, tangible, and full of mystery. Author and preacher Diana Butler Bass devotes a whole chapter to sky in her book, grounded, finding God in the world, a spiritual revolution, in which she boldly explores the question, where is God? And she does so in conversation with soil and water and sky. And she describes a societal and spiritual yearning in which large numbers of American Christians are shifting from a vertical distant and sometimes strict view of God toward one where God lives and dwells among us. In this grounded paradigm, which is both new and ancient, heaven is a place where, she writes, dirt and water and air all come together to feed us, to heal the earth, to produce the atmosphere we need to, live, to survive heaven, here, and now. For thou art with me. The second part of the fourth verse is located at the exact center of Psalm 23. And this verse also shifts our understanding of God's proximity. In the beginning of the Psalm, we hear about God. God makes, God leads, God restores. And now, Perhaps having made it through the valley of shadows, or at least to a point where it's not so new and scary and raw, the psalmist speaks directly to God. You are with me. The shepherd's tools, the staff to guide and the rod to protect from predators, are the tangible objects which bring comfort and assurance. The death of a loved one, the depths of addiction, the failed relationship, the loss of a job, the betrayal, the diagnosis, the bouts of depression. Each of us will walk through our own valley of shadows at some point. And in these hard places that are unfortunately familiar to us all, this psalm becomes a lifeline to cling to even as we need every bit of faith and trust we have to whisper tentatively to our maker, you are with me. So many of us are exhausted from the emotional, physical, and spiritual toll of the ongoing pandemic and the daily headlines that pile up from Haiti and Afghanistan and New England this morning and Texas and North Carolina and California Where are you, God, we might ask in the face of tragedy and injustice. For you are with me. At the heart of Psalm 23, we find that life with God, or what some call heaven, isn't a distant place in another life, but a relationship possible here and now. One of the ways to deepen this relation is to love. To love God is to love what God loves, to notice and appreciate the sacred, sacred interconnectedness divinely woven into all creation. Heather Swan, today's poet from our How to Love the World series, calls these deep connections kinship. She works with young adults at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, just a short way from our hike on Devil's Lake. And she reminds us that our young people have grown up in the midst of an apocalyptic narrative. Some of you, like me, have 20-year-old children or grandchildren who were born around 9-11, who were old enough to worry about the financial collapse of 2008, who have always lived in a country at war, who never knew school without lockdown drills, for whom environmental catastrophe is very real, and whose first years of college were interrupted by a global pandemic. So amidst the gloom and the doom, Heather Swan sends her college students outside, phones off to listen and to write, Because outdoors, she knows her students will begin to revel in the wonders of nature, falling in love with what they see. It is outdoors that that place of deep love is nurtured. And from that place of deep love, she believes that none of us can help but to live more gently on this earth. So listen for the interconnected relationships in her poem, Rabbit. After a long numbness, I wake, and suddenly I am noticing everything, all of it piercing me with its beautiful, radical trust, the carpenter bee tonguing the needles of the echinacea, believing in their sweetness, the exuberance of an orange daylily unfolding itself at the edge of the street. And the way the moss knows the stone, and the stone accepts its trespass, and the way the dog on his leash turns to see if I'm holding on, certain I know where to go. And the way the baby rabbit, whose trembling ears are the most delicate cups, trusts me because I pride that same dog's jaws off his hips, and then allows me to feed him clover when his back legs no longer work forcing me to think about forgiveness and those I need to forgive and to hope I am forgiven and that maybe, just maybe, I can forgive myself. This excruciating tenderness everywhere inviting us, always inviting, and then later, the firefly illuminating the lantern of its body like us each time we laugh. Perhaps God's presence feels like moss trying to cling to slick stone, or perhaps it feels as sure and steady as the leash that tethers us to our pandemic puppies. It might feel as vulnerable as the coneflower opening up to the honeybee, and perhaps it feels like engaging in the tender work of forgiving and being forgiven for wounds caused during well-intentioned though divisive conversations. Perhaps it looks like staring into the eyes of another living creature, becoming newly aware of their beauty and value, just as Jenny Kendler invites us to do in her art piece, Birds Watching. It is located at the Spalding entrance of Chicago's 606, and it shows 100 bird eyes uh, painted on aluminum, inviting us to look back. Even in the midst of war and conflict, environmental catastrophe, glaring injustice and pandemic fatigue, artists and poets, and I hope preachers too, point us toward heaven in our midst if we pause and find a corner of nature, even if it's just a blade of grass in the crack in the sidewalk or a park fashioned out of an old railway line. Listen, stare into the mystery and wonder of nature's soul. Jesus, who proclaimed the kingdom of heaven is at hand, was a master at using everyday objects to bring us into awareness of God. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, he just needs one sentence to bring us close to heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Perhaps you took up sourdough baking recently? I dabbled during the pandemic. Uh, You see, the only pet in our house is a sourdough starter named Simone. Simone is named for St. Simons Island, Georgia, where the daughter of my mom's friend worked at a restaurant, and employees were given pieces of the starter to keep it alive when the restaurant needed to close. Or at least that's the story that I've been told about Simone. Sourdough baking is the process of tending to the invisible yet transformative power of the yeast or leaven that permeates the entirety of the dough. Simone, I've learned, is quite resilient, though she needs a steady diet of flour and water. And if I want to bake a crusty loaf of bread, I need to start at least 48 hours in advance, ripening the starter until the yeast is bursting with life, bubbles filling up my canning jar in under eight hours. Then it is ready to be kneaded with flour and left to rest overnight and then baked in a heavy pot. The end result is what some call a taste of heaven, warm, crusty bread fresh from the oven. In the Incarnation, we know God with us, needing goodness and life, the leaven into every corner of the world. In this parable's narrative, there is room for us to join the woman in her creative process, tending to the soil to nourish the grain, protecting the water needed for growth, breathing in and out the same air as our kindred plant life, sharing warm loaves with neighbors. All these are earthy ways we can participate in the flourishing of life. And as we awaken to God's permeating presence, even in the midst of the most unlikely and invisible places, our hearts become the ground where deep peace and joy and loving action can grow. Earth is ever transforming into heaven. Perhaps like many of you, I am tired of this pandemic, and the constant pivoting and the unrelenting polarization of it. And yet, even in COVID, maybe even sometimes because of COVID, we are reminded of the deep interconnectedness of all creation. Children and youth and even adults, too, are asking those timeless questions about who God is and God's mysterious nature, and they're asking, all of us are asking, where God might be in the midst of this tender, messy, and sometimes hard life. So as we prepare for this new program year, let me, the children's minister, and all of us, this faithful congregation, never tire of wondering and wandering with, in the sky with those who have big questions. For you are with me. The rod and the staff, the leash and the stone, the earth and the sky, the rabbit and the firefly, the yeast and the loaf. So many tangible reminders of God's presence and grace in our midst. Pieces of heaven everywhere. Let us awaken from numbness. Let all of it pierce us with excruciating, beautiful, radical trust. In everyday beauty, in the words of the Psalms and the metaphors, In the incarnation of Jesus Christ, may our lives become what others have described as sacramental ones. Sacramental lives are ones in which everything, everything, and every person mediates God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.